Hello out there in the world of Meg and anybody else who is um, listening in for whatever reason. Um, welcome on board to the Meg podcast. Um, been a while since the last one, but you know, as we always say, these things come when we have time to do them. So in this episode, we're going to have a look at Carthaginian armies, which I think it's fair to say are one of the iconic classical era armies, um, not least because of Hannibal. And, and the Second Punic War, uh, you know, a, a defining war for Rome and indeed Carthage. Um, lots of great characters, but, you know, Hannibal is probably the one people have generally heard of, uh, along with Scipio Africanus. But we're looking at Hannibal's side this time, but not just the Second Punic War. Um, so we're going to look at the earlier Carthaginian army as well. And you never know, there may just uh, be... be the odd comment about the post-Second Punic War after Carthage's defeat, but I think we're probably going to stick mainly to the to the to the Second Punic War and earlier. I am, um, as usual, joined by the usual crowd: um, Richard Jeffrey Cook and Matt Haywood. So, hello, chaps. Good evening. Hello. Uh, so, th thank you as ever for joining, and uh, thanks in advance for. All, all the contributions as ever. Um, I thought this time just for a little bit of difference before we dive into the main part. I just wondered if we could just, just see what people have, we've all been doing um, sort of hobby-wise for the past few weeks since the last podcast. Uh, I don't know. Um, Richard? So last weekend on last Sunday, I took part in the Kent Clash. Oh, yeah. Uh, which was organised by Pete Cross at a... Uh, private school in Seven Oaks uh, that has a very nice sports centre and we were up on the top floor, uh, eight of us playing uh, three games and we were joined in the afternoon by Aid Nash and his son. Um, so that was a fifth game oh, nice. and uh, the theme was um, pike and long spear. So all armies had to have 24 pike or long spear. Um, and I took the army of Titus at the Siege of Jerusalem, which is 70 um, AD and was the last recorded use of a Hellenistic pike phalanx. I was, I was about to ask, how, how, did you get a, how did you get the required number of pike and or spear into a Roman army? <laughs> so uh, you have to do it. You have to take both Commagene and Jewish allies. Oh, right. Um, so I had uh, the Commagenes were the people who brought the pike phalanx. So I had uh, 16 pike um, and the Jewish um, provides a unit of eight long spear. Uh, along with that, I had uh, Praetorian Guard, a Veteran Legion, a couple of Auxiliar and Cavalry. Right. Um, and I ended up coming second, oh. winning two of the three games. But uh, we had a very nice time. Uh, facilities were excellent. Uh, we had a few um, families from the school who uh, came and looked at what we were doing. Oh, right. And were very interested as well. Nice. Um, and all in all, it was a very satisfactory day. Very enjoyable. Yeah. And uh, I, I think I've seen something. I think I saw something today which suggested Pete's um, thinking of running something else there, isn't he? At some point. I believe he is, and I think uh, if you have the opportunity, 
I would heartily recommend it. Well, I, I, I was supposed to be uh, taking part in that one, but unfortunately circumstances were against me. Um, for, for, uh, sorry, so the, the fortunate thing on that was um, the numbers I think have been uneven before that, and it looked Indeed. like Pete, Pete, Pete might not get to get any game. So by me dropping out, Pete got to play at the competition he organised, which is always nice. <laughs> yes, so your your absence had a positive benefit for Pete. <laughs> <if> <laughs> the competition else. benefited from my absence. <laughs> uh, and indeed, I did indeed uh, play Peter in the last game. Oh, great. So uh, yes, I might have played you instead. <laughs> and you would have probably beaten me as usual. Uh, I don't know about the as usual. Oh, well, you, I think you've got a good record against me. I, I would have taken Carthaginian for by coincidence for this podcast. Pete, Pete actually used the same list I think you had submitted. So, all oh, right, uh, and I did beat it. So maybe <laughs> yeah, I would have had a chance. <laughs> there you are. There you are. So I, perhaps I dodged one there, but yeah. Okie dokie, Matt. What? Um, have yeah, you, because I, I know you're busy at work, have you managed to squeeze any hobby stuff in? I, I find the, um, that those that know me know I have various health issues that I play on mercilessly with a stick and, you know, <laughs> do the, you wouldn't be the poor cripple, that kind of thing. But um, ha having got my, uh, my backside thoroughly spanked at um, Beachhead with an army that, you know, I really shouldn't have taken, but I couldn't resist. Doctors reduced my pills, so I was able to paint again, which is the first thing I, the first time I managed to do that since the oh. uh, LGT of last year. Oh, blimey. Yeah, so I, I've literally not picked a paintbrush up since then. And um, as, as, as I, as I, as Beachhead, even though I got beaten, reawakened my interest in a, a lot of stuff and the hobby side of things, I, um, <clears throat> I decided that as we're going to um, toil, next weekend i think we're all going aren't we to toy indeed uh yes i'm going yeah looking forward right, to I, have I, a pick an army well this is this was my, my my major problem and i thought right now now i'm capable of painting again i, I thought i've had this thematic byzantine army sat in the box <laughs> half painted since my dbm days i think i bought it about 2003 i think i think i even <laughs> have the receipts still in the box you know from essex so i thought sod that half of it's already painted well two-thirds and I thought, I, uh, you very graciously sent me some general figures that you had lying around mm. as we were talking about that. So I've been cracking on with those. And then once um, once they're done, I've then got a list of things I need to finish off for other people. So, yeah, it's been a really um, fruitful couple of weeks for the paintbrush. So I'm, I'm really pleased. Okay. I've now got to base everything for toil. And I guarantee by tomorrow I'll have submitted the list for something else and not take the thematics, but that, that's besides the point. <laughs> so we, we, I know between us, we did have a, a bit of a flurry of Byzantine list swapping, thanks to Phil Philip Powell's contribution on the last podcast, wasn't it? His oh, all-mounted seven-tug Nikephorian. Yeah. Yeah, yeah because... Not... I, sorry. No, I was just going to say, I'm, I, I haven't managed to brave the seven tugs even though that is my norm i've actually gone for something slightly larger but yeah. um well uh, but, yeah, yeah. I, I think i've see, see, seen seen the list you and i like the look of it but i won't say anything now obviously yeah and i have to say after you know <laughs> so moving on to my hobby stuff is one thing i did after the last podcast was um buy some byzantines <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I had previously done the late thematic, decided, I think I might have mentioned this in the last podcast, decided I was never going to use it, 
so sold it on to Andy Claxton, who hopefully is finding good use for the figures. They were they were all Essex like the ones you you've got. Um, but Philip's army so inspired me. I, I started to buy a later thematic again. <laughs> so, but I won't be using that at Toil. Um, yes, yeah, but my, my other stuff is uh, I've been doing quite a bit of painting. I think like you, I've been sort of re-inspired to do painting. I'm doing some bits and pieces really. Just um, I'm, I'm, like I think like a lot of people, you sort of do an army and buy some bits and options or have spare figures, and I'm trying to get those at, done before moving on to a whole new army project. So I'm cycling through and finishing off my Yamato Hero Japanese, um, working on the 28 mils for roll call um, and sort of in non-meg period stuff. I've got some ECW on the way and although meg period, not for meg rules, I've got back into doing the um, the, the two millimeter figures for strength and honor. <laughs> it's a project I started last year and. And it got overtaken by other stuff. So um, all good stuff. Yes, yeah, managed to get plenty of painting done, which is good. And um, a couple of weekends ago, was it was at Badcon, um, using <laughs> theme here, Carthaginian army, an early Carthaginian army. It was, it was all good fun, and I came uh, came fifth. So uh, which I didn't think was too bad given the army. So, so we'll now know uh, what not to do with early Carthaginians. <laughs> <will> we? <laughs> well, it, 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 it has to be said. I, I, yeah, for this podcast, I am bringing an early Carthaginian army to to for us to discuss, and it is a tweaked one <laughs> from the one I used at Badcon. But I thoroughly enjoyed using it. So, uh, right. Anyway, it, it, enough of enough of that. I think we've all been all been busy with various bits and pieces. And I say congratulations to Richard for his second place at Peter's competition. Um, but I think let's yeah let's uh, move on to the to I suppose what what the podcast's here for this 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 one about Carthaginians and as as ever Richard is going to kick us off with the uh, historical background um, about Carthage. Um, so uh, let's see what we learn this week because I think we always we always seem to learn something which is good and hopefully you the listeners do as well. So anyway, enough of me waffling on. Richard, it's over to Thank you. Thank you, Nick. OK, um, so there's quite a lot of history here, so we'll see how we go. Um, so to get to the starting point, Carthage was actually founded in the late 9th century uh, by Phoenicians from Tyre. Uh, we're fairly confident about this date because um, the archaeology has found um, sort of some of the traces of the earliest um, Carthaginian uh, remains. So um, that seems sort of fairly reliable as a date. Um, they sort of quickly established a trading empire uh, which went across Spain, Corsica, Sardinia, Western Sicily, Libya uh, and extended into Numidia and Mauritania. Um, the Greeks arrived in Sicily in the late 730s um, and notably Syracuse was founded by Corinth in 733. And we're going to hear a lot about Sicily and Syracuse <laughs> in the history. Um, around 600 BC, um, Carthage um, becomes more aggressive. Um, 
an expansionist. This is probably related to the lessening role of Tyre. Um, um, the, due to the actions of the Babylonians and the Persians, Tyre um, became less significant. Um, it may also be a reaction to the extent of Greek colonization that was going on in the um, Western Med um, in Italy, Sicily and uh, Massilia, Marseille in France as well. Um, the earliest known military actions date to the 550s um, and those were against uh, the Libyans um, and also in Sicily and Sardinia. Um, the earliest known fleet action is actually from 540 BC um, and that was when the Carthaginians were allied with the Etruscans against the Greeks in Corsica. Um, we then know in 515 BC, an alliance of the Carthaginians, the Libyan Maci, uh, M-A-C-A-E, might be Massey, I don't know how that's pronounced, uh, and Lepsis Magna, which was another Phoenician colony, actually kicked out um, a Spartan colony that had been founded um, on, under Dorius. Um, so, that, that's an example of the Carthaginians and their dominant role amongst the Phoenician colonies um, that have been established and their contest against the Greeks. We know in 509 they signed a friendship treaty with Rome um, and that's that appears to be the sort of earliest contact between Rome and the Carthaginians. Now, every, not everything was um, great for Carthage at this, this time. We know at some time around this period, the Carthage was actually forced to pay uh, a tribute to the Libyans, um, presumably um, buying off um, an invasion. Um, so um, it's, it's clear that even at this time, Carthage wasn't getting it all its own way. Um, However, in terms of history, the big event, the, the earliest event that we have a lot of detail of, is the invasion of uh, Sicily by Hamilcar in 480. Um, the Carthaginians at this time had allied to the Greek city of Salinas, and they were in a war against Elon, who's the tyrant of Syracuse. Um, the Carthaginians actually uh, were defeated at the Battle of Himera um, on the northern coast of Sicily, um, supposedly on the same day that the Greeks defeated the Persians at Salamis. Um, the army of the... That was like a really slightly contrived that to me, but... Uh, yes, I think um, you have to take that with perhaps a pinch of salt. There, have, there are suggestions that the Carthaginians actually delayed their invasion to time it with the Persian invasion of Greece, although I think that is... Um, I think you can find other reasons why the Carthaginians took a long time to mount their invasion. So um, I'm not completely convinced by those arguments. Their army was possibly 50 to 60,000. Um, 
that, that may be on the large size, but it shows actually how um, big some of the um, armies in Sicily could be at this period. Um, and with the defeat, up to half the army was taken as slaves. Um, and as evidence of the numbers, in fact, in Acragas, which is one of the cities that had been fighting Salinas, um, some individuals actually obtained 500 slaves. Um, so um, obviously there were a lot of slaves going. And in fact, um, the, the temples in Acragas were um, some of them built with slave labour from the defeated Carthaginian army. And it's worth bearing in mind that actually uh, Carthaginian armies, even at this period, were made up substantially of uh, mercenaries. So a lot of these slaves would have been actually mercenaries. Um, they were recruited from right around the Western Mediterranean, as well as North Africa. Um, uh, yeah, so um, Gilan, having won this battle, actually extracted an indemnity of 2,000 talents from the Carthaginians. Um, and although he didn't invade Western Sicily, it's actually noticeable that after him era, uh, the Carthaginians actually rapidly expand their colonies outside of Sicily. Um, in, and in fact, for a long period, we, we don't hear much about um, Carthage getting involved in, in outside wars. Um, it seems they focused on expanding and strengthening the areas around their own colonies. Um, the next um, Carthaginian in intervention in Sicily comes actually uh, in 410. So they had stayed out of the um, Peloponnesian War, but in 410 they aid Segesta, which is another Sic uh, Sicilian Greek city in Sicily. Um, and they actually, in having sent a force in 410, they actually did a full scale invasion in 409. Um, they actually managed to sack Salinas before it could be relieved. And they followed that up by sacking the city of Himera, getting revenge for the defeat 70 years earlier. Um, there was then a sort of three-year lull, but a further invasion actually occurred in 406 and 405 BC, where they actually ravaged Sicily right up to the gates of Syracuse. Um, they actually um, then, during the siege, suffered from plague, where perhaps as much as half of the army died. Um, and because of that, they actually agreed to a treaty. Uh, where the cities of Selinus, Acragas, Gela and Camarina were all to become Carthaginian satellites. The problem, however, for Carthage was this war was that they, it actually resulted in enduring Greek resentment. And what Carthage actually held, the cities they captured were really largely shells of their former glory. And the war had left Dionysus, Dionysius uh, in power in Syracuse. And he really started enduring conflict with Carthage that was actually to continue 
until his death in um, 367. Um, in fact, he restarted the war in 398 when he captured the um, Carthaginian city of Mochia. Uh, and Mochia was never, um, never really the same uh, afterwards. Um, uh, Himilco, the Carthaginian general, tried to besiege Syracuse and he was defeated. And this actually led to a serious revolt by Carthage's Libyan subjects. And that Libyan uh, revolt was never really fully uh, subdued until after 367. Um, in 392, the Carthaginians led another invasion, this time under the Carthaginian general Mago. Um, but this ran out of impetus and Dionysius was able to negotiate a a pretty favourable treaty again. So this was quite a long series of conflicts with a um, rather unsatisfactory outcome for the Carthaginians. Um, the next major conflict um, occurs in uh, 341, again a, a Punic uh, expedition to invade Sicily. Um, this was triggered by um, the um, Timoleon, who was a Corinthian who became the tyrant of Syracuse. Um, and the, the Punic expedition itself was defeated at the Battle of Primisus, uh, when uh, Timoleon basically uh, ambushes maybe a strong word, but pro probably reasonable, uh, a Punic army as it's crossing the river uh, Primisus and sort of attacks out of the morning mist. Um, it's the um, noticeable for the last recorded use of Carthaginian chariots. Um, uh, anyway, the defeat basically then subsequently leads to again a peace being concluded in 338 BC. Uh, the next um, major war is in 315. And this is after the next uh, Syracusian tyrant, Agathocles, has seized Messini, um, uh, where which the Straits of Messini between Italy and Sicily are named after. Um, and in 311, Agathocles invades the Punic holdings in Western Sicily and laid siege to Acragas. Um, so Carthaginian general called Hamilcar leads the response back um, where he is um, invasion is successful and he largely controls all of Sicily and is able to besiege Syracuse. Um, to try and relieve the siege of Syracuse, Agathocles leads a counter invasion of Africa. Um, and this results in uh, Punic forces being recalled to Africa, where Agathocles wins um, a victory. He's then joined uh, by 10,000 mercenary Greeks under a Aphelus that have come from uh, Kyrene, uh, the Greek city in North Africa. Um, and in 
typical tyrant style, he murders a phallus and takes over their troops. Um, in 308, he returns to Syracuse and defeats the Punic army and lifts the blockade of Syracuse and then returns to Africa. Um, but in 307, um, the Carthaginians defeat this Greek army in Africa and Agathocles abandons his army, uh, which um, basically falls into the hands of the Carthaginians who enslave some and recruit others into their army. Um, a treaty dividing Sicily between Punic and Greek domains is then negotiated. Um, this peace lasts until 280 when the Carthaginians seize Acragas, um, Agrigentum, Syracuse and Leontini, uh, Greek cities then appeal to Pyrrhus, Pyrrhus, who is currently in southern Italy helping the Tarentines um, uh, for help. Uh, Pyrrhus then decides to withdraw from Italy and has this idea I'm going to capture all of Sicily and um, Carthage and create an Epirot Empire south of Italy. Um, and he has some initial success and he might have actually captured the whole of Sicily, uh, but he gets distracted by a revolt in his rear and his harsh treatment of his Greek allies and a defeat in a naval battle by the Carthaginians basically leads to Pyrrhus abandoning this idea and returning to Italy when he, of course, gets famously uh, defeated by the Romans and um, ends up withdrawing back to Epirus. Um, however, this defeat of Italy has the consequence of bringing the Romans into the um, theatre of Sicily. Um, so uh, we soon we come uh, in 264 to the First Punic War. This was actually triggered by a group of mercenaries who, after uh, Gathocles had um, died, had seized the city of Messini. Um, and they are known as the Mamertines. Um, they are a early campaigning army, if you're looking for them in the army list, by the way. Right. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, they basically, under pressure, appeal to both um, Rome and Carthage for help. And the Carthaginians basically jump in there and say, yeah, we'll help and garrison the city of Messini. Um, and this um alarms the Romans who end up siding with the Greeks and that's this this is essentially what brings um Rome and Carthage into conflict in the first Punic War um the first Punic War is actually primarily a naval conflict uh most notable for the regularity in which the Romans lose their fleets to storms um <laughs> In terms of battle, it's a, a war where both sides get various victories um, or defeats, depending on how you're looking at them. Um, in 256, it's notable that Rome invades Africa under the consul Marcus Attilius Regulus. Um, 
the Romans defeat a Carthaginian army and um, capture Tunis, which is only 10 miles from the city of Carthage itself. Um, against this threat, the Carthaginians put their army under the control of a Spartan, a Xanthippus, um, who actually defeats the Romans at the Battle of Tunis. Um, a Roman fleet um, uh, defeats the Carthaginians and evacuates the survivors, but then that fleet itself is lost in a storm. So you can sort of say that whole conflict was a bit of a nil-nil draw for both sides. Really. <laughs> um, I pity the poor Romans who get, get defeated in battle, think they've escaped, and then um, probably a lot of them presumably drowned. Yeah, well, the, the, um, a lot of them were actually allies of the Romans who were manning the warships. So, um, yes, a lot of uh, Italian allies drowned in that particular episode. Um, by 248 BC, um, it's the Carthaginians actually hold only Lilibaeum and Drepana in the um, west of Sicily. And after a decisive defeat at the Battle of the Aegetes Islands, which are off the um, sort of western end of Sicily, um, the Carthaginians actually sue for peace. Um, essentially, they're war weary at this time. They've been outlasted by the Romans. And the Treaty of Lutatius uh, essentially leaves Sicily and subsequently Sardinia and Corsica in Roman hands. And the Carthaginians have to pay a large indemnity of 3,200 talents. Um, now, the end of this war um, leaves a lot of unemployed mercenaries in Carthage. Um, and the Carthaginians decide they can't pay them and don't want them. And these unemployed mercenaries basically join in with some of the Libyan uh, settlements. Um, and uh, this leads to the what is known as the mercenary or the truceless war of 241 to 237 BC. Um, this was a particularly vicious conflict um, uh, and it takes uh, four years for the Carthaginians to actually um, suppress this um, um, uh, conflict, uh, largely with the help of um, Numidians uh, who desert the uh, mercenaries and side with Carthage and then by undermining the rest of the support for the mercenary army uh, but it gets its name because uh, it was particularly brutal i think polybius comments that it's it was one of the most brutal conflicts in the ancient world um so carthage now has lost sicily um and it's at this time that the barkids uh, most namely uh, most namely Hamilcar Barker and his sons, which include Hannibal, Hasdrubal and Mago, um, build up an, an empire in Spain to make up for the loss of the territories in um, Sicily. And eventually a dispute over the city of Saguntum, which is near Valencia in southeast Spain, 
um, leads to the conflict of the Second Punic War. Um, I think the basic outline of the Second Punic War is quite well known. Uh, Hannibal invades over the Alps um, and defeats the Romans at Trebia, Lake Trasimene and Cannae between 218 and 216 BC. Um, we, and three defeats, quite frankly, which would have probably um, taken any other state out of the conflict. But Rome was not any other state and it ultimately survives these defeats and over the years confines Hannibal to the southern portion of Italy. Um, the Romans themselves open up a second front in Spain. Uh, in 211, they're badly defeated, uh, but in 207, they gain victories and Hasdrubal, but they can't prevent Hasdrubal attempting to reinforce, reinforce Hannibal and Hasdrubal follows in Hannibal's footprint, sort of marching over the Alps into Italy, but is intercepted by the Romans at the Battle of Metaurus and killed. Um, from this point on, the Carthaginians are on a losing wicket, I think it's fair to say. In 206 BC, the Battle of Elipa permanently ends the Carthaginian presence in Spain. In 204, Scipio invades Africa, and that leads to the defeat at Zama in 202, and the Carthaginians again suing for peace. Uh, the Roman terms this time include an indemnity of 10,000 talents Whoa. and basically um, Carthage was permanently politically subordinate to Rome. It could not uh, go to war outside of Africa and it could only declare war in Africa with the permission of the Romans. Um, in 149 BC, the Romans basically found a pretext to declare war and the Third Punic War results in the sack of Carthage in 146 BC. Um, and uh, famously, um, the Romans so sought into the land to prevent Carthage ever being um, rebuilt. Um, although the Romans themselves go on to re-establish a colony <laughs> later because Africa was too valuable um, not to. Um, so that is our history of Carthage in a nutshell. Thank you so much for that, Richard. And th thank you especially, I think, for covering the, the, the earlier period, especially, you know, pre for the Punic Wars, because I think that's, um, uh, uh, I think it's a period that most, most of us, um, really know very little about because the Punic Wars are the, the headline thing, you know, we've got lots of lots of Roman histories or, or histories about Rome. So we hear about that. So I think the uh, the, the wars um, in Sicily especially are, uh, it's, it's good to know about them. Which it was, yeah. leads, leads me to, oh, sorry, after you, Richard. Well, I was going to say I was lucky enough to visit Sicily last October oh. and visited many of the sites, including Acragas, where the temples in the Valley of Temples are stunning. I would thoroughly recommend them. And also um, saw a, uh, um, a raised Carthaginian uh, liburnum that would been sunk probably in the Battle of the Agetes Islands. Ooh. 
which wow. is in the museum at Messini, uh, and also got to see Syracuse itself, yeah. which obviously has a long history, um, not only against the Carthaginians, but famously on the Peloponnesian War as well. Yeah. Uh, do, do, one question comes to my mind when you you go to and relates to Syracuse, actually. It's, you know, when you say during the Peloponnesian Wars, Carthage didn't take the opportunity to get involved. I just wonder if you had any, any thoughts or read anything about what, why maybe they didn't join in when the Athenians besieged Syracuse, you know, given that that must have been one of their aims, allow them to dominate Sicily entirely? Um, I, I think my guess is they weren't, weren't prepared. Um, they may not have known, of course, the Athenians intended to um, Fair, yeah. invade um, Syracuse. And also, of course, once the Syracusans have defeated the Athenians, that's um, you could argue that's not really the most sensible time to then open up a war against Syracuse. But um, yes, um, that's what the Carthaginians ended up doing. So um, I, yes, it, it's an interesting question. Um, how how much awareness had Carthage of events going on in in the um, rest of the Greek and indeed the Persian world, if you yeah. go back to the earlier period as well. Yeah. Okay. That's. Uh, yeah. No. It's. It's. it's uh, yeah. Because as you said in your your history bit, when the when the the Carthaginians then did go and besiege Syracuse, they suffered in exactly the same way the Athenians did with plague. <laughs> so, well, I think. Uh, yeah, plague was obviously a big risk to any besieging army in the ancient world, um, and uh, Syracuse, perhaps with its uh, marshy coastland may have been more um, uh, more of a danger to uh, um, the, uh, besieging armies than other areas. I mean, it's notable if you visit Syracuse, actually, how big the city walls were and how large an area they actually covered right. because they extended right up to the top of the heights. So it was incredible. Um, Although it was a very long uh, city wall to defend, it was an incredibly difficult place to besiege. Right. Yeah, it is. Yeah. That's good. As you say, you've seen it firsthand. Yeah. I've got one further question, which being me is a sort of list question for you. Because um, you, you mentioned at the, the Battle of Crimsos River. Yeah. It was the... the last recorded use of chariots by the Carthaginians um, but we the army list allows them much later than that uh, I, I think that's that because, oh sorry after you well, I was going to say I think that's probably because um, recorded use and when they may have gone out of use ah, yes. uh, could, it could be two different things um, and we do know of chariots still being used in North Africa as late as I think 275. Okay. Um, so I think that may, it, the other alternative may be that the lists are just being far too generous. 
<laughs> well, as as the owner of a, an early Carthaginian army, and I'll come to you shortly when we get onto lists, uh, I, I've, I'm not complaining because I quite like those chariots. Um, so you know, it, it, it just struck me because you know, there's quite a big difference between that date of that battle and and the list. Yeah, but uh, we're into the patchiness of the historical record, and but we, we're pretty certain they weren't used in the Punic Wars. So the, the cutoff date is before that and, and not used at the same time as elephants. Yes, whether that's whether the elephants actually were a reaction to replace chariots um, is, is certainly a possibility. Um, I've, I've seen that suggested. Um, uh, although whether the elephants would really fulfill a similar role I, I don't know <laughs> it's it depends how you think the the chariots were used so anyway again thank you very much Richard that was that was a a great a great um, great piece of history um re really really interesting and hopefully the the listeners will be appreciated you know say so especially the the amount you put into the, the pre-punic war bit the the bit of Certainly before I looked at anything Carthaginian, I'd never heard of. I think I'll make one last comment I'll make about the Carthaginians, uh, having done some reading on it because I've got the army, is that their their generals seem to have, there doesn't seem to be very much variety in names. You know, they're all Hannibal's, Mago, Hamilcar's and so on, and the odd Hanno, and that's it. <laughs> yeah, I think that isn't, um, the, the reason is that the... Um, the, the names derive from Phoenician um, tradition and relate to particular gods. Ah. And there does seem to have been rather a um, shortage of names. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you do, um, we're not always sure whether, um, particularly as you get into the early history, whether the name is the same name for a different general or whether the histories have merged to um, 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 two generals who happen to have the same name and, yeah. and conflated the history. So, <laughs> who knows? Yeah, well, <laughs> they are. Anyway, enough, enough about that. Yeah. Yes, but actually the gods, you got Hannibal, you got Baal at the end, hasn't it? Um, which, which is a, yes, which a is Middle Eastern god. One of the Phoenician gods. Yeah. Um, and I... I I do have somewhere a book that actually gives the translations of the oh. different names. There you go. Excellent. Okay, right. Let's let's go on to army list then. As, and as I've, I've mentioned a few times, I, I actually have an early Carthaginian army, um, which I bought when I decided because I, di I didn't have a classical era army. And I, oh, sorry, apart from my Romans, I wanted an earlier one. Um, Fitted more towards the Hellenistic period. Didn't fancy doing a Hellenistic pike army and not, not so went for early Carthaginian and I and have done it entirely in Zeiston figures, which is which are really nice and I, th I think paint up really well. Anyway, the the list I've got to present for the to the podcast team tonight. Um, early Carthaginian. Pre-Punic Wars, I think it probably fits in, I think I, I appear to have dated it 406 BCE, 
So uh, can fit that into uh, one of the campaigns that Richard was just talking about. Um, I suspect it would also work um, composition wise for the first Punic War for an army in Sicily, apart from the fact I've got chariots in it, and as we've just been discussing, uh, they, they wouldn't be around then, but you could replace the chariots with elephants. Anyway, it's, uh, I said I quite liked it. I, I've previously used a slightly different version from this, and I'll touch on that at the end. But to dive into the composition of this early Carthaginian army, um, all the generals are instinctive. Um, the, the can't have professional generals in the early Carthaginian army, unlike the later, which we'll come to. Um, I've gone for a talented CNC, two competent subgenerals, and a mediocre subgeneral. So I've got 12 um, cards or discs there. Um, I've got a poor unfortified cap. Uh, haven't failed to find anything to, to defend that with. The composition of the army, I started with the chariots as mentioned. A unit of six of those um, formed loose chariots, superior protected, experienced javelin, short spear, devastating charger, melee expert, shoot and charge. I think as a unit have got more more characteristics than most of mine. So in, in that the um, just worth noting, the devastating charger and shoot and charge are both optional characteristics. Um, but I've gone for something with a bit of punch. Um, and if you go down that that interpretation of the chariots, I suppose what Richard was saying, if the elephants replace the chariots as some sort of if the chariots were a punch one, that would make uh, make sense. The just I'll just note the the list does allow the chariots to be f deployed as experienced bow short spear melee expert. Um, I've gone for the um, javelin but devastating charger version. Just to, just to be different from the like all the all the Middle Eastern chariots of you know the the Assyrian types so that would these are somewhat similar to and I'd say also to give the army a unit with with a good punch with a devastating charger. Um, it's quite quite an interesting unit because obviously the experienced javelin means they're missile focused, so they don't have force charge. You have to pay for them to charge. Um, so you know swings and roundabouts on that, but the the shoot and charge although it's only got a two base with range can be quite useful on that. Um, my second unit is six bases of Campanian cavalry, so some Italians, formed loose cavalry, superior protected, unskilled javelin short spear. So yeah, they're quite handy being superior, they've got some combat capability. The unskilled javelin obviously means they can skirmish as well. Um, the last unit of cavalry is Greek cavalry, Greek mercenaries, presumably, who are formed loose, average protected, short spear, melee expert. So obviously can't skirmish, but they're, you know, they're you know, certainly for the period, they're reasonably competent in fighting. Um, not, not a massive punch, but the melee expert means they, they stay in there and keep hacking people. The infantry tugs are led by the sacred band, um, drilled close, superior protected, long spear, shoved, shield cover. So, you know, they're, they're good hoplites, basically. Um, the, the, the cream of the citizens. Two units of African spearmen. These are, you know, other, other descriptions of these have been Libby Phoenician or Libyan spearmen um, in maybe previous army lists, but Megarmist calls them African, which I assume is there to be a bit of a blanket term. So he covers many things and possibly includes 
um, some Carthaginian citizens as well. Guests work from me there. Anyway, they're formed close, average protected long spear um, with orb, um, two units, eight bases each. Um, the orb there, well, it's that's points left over and I hadn't got anything else to spend it on. <laughs> a classic, a classic use of orb. So no, no shove, no shield cover with these. These are, I suppose, not so good hoplites, but you know, perfectly good combat unit. Got a unit of mercenary hoplites, eight bases, drilled close infantry, average protected, long spear shove, shield cover. So go with the sacred band, but lesser quality. A unit of Spanish, um, these are tribal loose infantry, average protected, impact weapon, eight bases, and a unit of Ligurians, because these are compulsory, um, again, tribal loose, average protected, experienced javelin, short spear. So, you know, uh, the both, you know, those two last units are both tribal, a bit difficult to manoeuvre at times, but can sit in a piece of terrain um, and be reasonably effective there. We've got three SUGs, a unit of Libyan javelin men, uh, nine bases, poor, unprotected, skirmishers, experienced javelin combat shy. A six base unit of Balearic slingers, infantry skirmishers, average, unprotected, skilled sling combat shy. So nice little unit for sniping around there. And lastly, into Spanish javelin men, uh, skirmish infantry, average protected, experienced javelin, short spear, shoot and charge. Um, and I have to say that that style of troop is rapidly becoming one of my favorite types of skirmisher. I'm finding them really, really useful. So they, that leaves me with a PBS of six and a scouting of three. Um, with his, Instinctive generals and not like cavalry, you're not going to get massive numbers there. But the scouting three is quite is quite nice um, for that style of army. Um, I suppose you say the use, you know, the, the the chariots, the companion cavalry, and the sacred band, and indeed to some degree the Greek cavalry, all quite useful melee troops. Um, the African spearmen are somewhat occupy space. Um, they're not terrible. But, they're, you know, they're, they're not great and, you know, the long spear can sometimes suffer against other troops. If, it, you know, if they start losing bases and can't be too deep, they lose their claims there. And I said the, the Spanish and Ligurians um, do give you a, a little bit of um, terrain capability, but because there's only two units, it's more of a, a sort of occupy and hold while you hope the rest of the army does something. Although I will note that, um, I think we've mentioned before previous podcasts, that because the Ligurians are experienced javelin and short spear, I think sometimes that experienced javelin is underrated, and I, I really quite like it. Um, and certainly at the BADCON competition, they were e extremely useful um, for facing off um, horse archers, especially unprotected flexibles, because um, that experienced javelin get a if they're in loose formation, we get up close to horse archers, we'll actually be shooting on a green dice, which can ruin a horse archer in its day um, quite quickly. Um, I think I hinted before, this is slightly different from the one I used at BADCON in that I didn't have the devastating charges on the chariots because I'd got nine bases of Balearic slingers into the army. But I think that was a not quite the right choice. And I think the chariots with the dev charger is a better option for this army. So there you are. That's the army. As I said, I quite enjoyed using it. It's although it's it's 
it's not the most rapid army around the field, but it is quite solid. You you do really need to close down one flank with terrain as best you can, because it, it isn't that wide. Um, if it defends, it, it's only got coastal terrain, so that does it's one way of helping you get, get a, a deep water on one flank. Um, otherwise, you go and poke people with pointy sticks and try and insert the chariots at some point to... Um, get that punch through and as i said the companions are really yeah, being superior are not too bad to support them so there we are chaps i await your thoughts on that list so i i yeah it, that looks like a pretty standard early carthaginian army really um the, the the whole business with the chariots is we have no idea how the, what the Punic <laughs> chariots look like, um, and the the nearest equivalent we have is probably Phoenician chariots in Cyprus, right? Um, um, which doesn't help a great deal, which is why you've got the various options. Um, the African spearmen, uh, yep, covers a range of Libyan, Libby Phoenician, Carthaginian, or other mercenary recruits. Um, they, in the early period in particular, the Carthaginians seem to have used shorter spears than the Greeks. Um, so the long spear classification may be slightly generous at this period, but um, um, uh, yeah, it certainly doesn't justify the shove that the um, Greeks get. Um, so um, yeah, they they as you say they they can be useful holding up things. My Praetorians had a devil of a job cutting through them at um, King Clash last weekend, <laughs> um, but that was more due to my inability to throw skulls on dice, I suspect, rather than anything else. I, I had um, a similar experience at Warfare last year against Pete Cross using my <laughs> fourth century Romans, and he was using early Carthaginian, different, not not this version, but you know I. I I got legions into the, the African spearmen thinking, hey, hey, this is good. This is a matchup I want. And um, yeah, a couple of moves later, wondering why I, my, my, my legionaries are running back towards me. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I was using Praetorians, which was particularly upsetting. <laughs> Even worse. <laughs> uh, never mind. But yeah, I, I mean, I think it's, it's an army I've um, always felt I can't quite put my finger on why it's un underpowered, but it always seems to be a little bit. I don't know whether it's because the cavalry don't have quite enough punch or the foot don't have quite enough punch or, or what it is, but um, that's my experience anyway. I, I tend to concur with that. It, it's got to grind people down. <laughs> and it, yeah, yeah. It, it's, it's maybe not a style that I particularly enjoy using i don't know i enjoy using it every now and then you know and you know, using it bad kind of did enjoy it and anyway, matt, matt what do you what do you think of this I, I suspect it isn't your sort of army it's an army i'd probably designed, but yes you're right it's probably an army i wouldn't enjoy using um not not for any reason other than it's a grind and you know I prefer to win big or die quick, <laughs> so, or, or or just never reach contact with the enemy. I don't know which. Um, I do like the fact that just about everything's in eights for the foot, so it's not going to be a quick death. 
Mm. You know, so you you will grind and you will grind for a very long time. I like the cavalry. I, I have to say that that that's that's the wing that I that would probably be what would lose me the game using this army is I'd spend too much time focusing on the cavalry and not enough time paying attention to what the infantry should be doing. <laughs> to be perfectly blunt, but uh, no, I like it. It's 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 a piece. Of, it's got me thinking about my uh, Syracusean Greek again, so that will probably come oh, out right. of the box at some point. So <laughs> lacking the chariots, but uh, yeah. No, yeah, for sure, it's got something else. Yeah, you know, it, it, it is. I think like a, I think it, I think it was a feature at the Badcon competition, which with the theme for that was really Greeks and Persians. So you say there were a few armies that were quite grindy. I mean, the, the only Roman in that one was the Camillan Roman, which is just long spear for the legionaries, really. So I did, I did fight that. Um, so yeah, yeah, a lot of the infantry was grindy, grindy. Um, or, or in case of the Persians, shooty shooty, or if it was a Persian with Medizing Greek allies, shooty shooty and grindy grindy. So, if if that makes any sort of sense, I seem to be talking childish all of a sudden. Um, so, yeah, I'd, just before the Greek to me. <laughs> Sorry, can I claim it's Punic? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. We'll, we'll, yeah. we'll go with that excuse. Yeah. Before we move on to so another army, so I said I've mentioned I have, have used a, a sort of a later version of the early Carthaginian, if that makes sense. Um, because one thing you can get later on in the list, um, round about 300, is a Numidian ally, which, which adds a certain something to the list. Um, basically, in my case, three units of skilled shooting javelin light horse. So, you know, I, I would have a, I fielded that with um, a unit of the compulsory unit of Numidian nobles who are just average protected experienced javelin, and then three units of average skilled javelin combat shy light horse, um, all under a talented general. Because um, I think if you're using that ally, you really want it to play. <laughs> You, you, you don't want it not to. Um, the, the sort of cavalry that comes with that army isn't quite as good as the one I've just described. You still get the chariots, but um, I've only ever been able to squeeze a downgraded unit of companion cavalry into that one. Um, but I think it's 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 a more mobile version, and the and the three units of skilled Numidian light horse can can be very effective, especially against a, a somewhat less mobile opponent who, who finds it too hard to charge them down. So that's a, I, I think that's, that would, if I had to choose between my two versions, I would probably normally take the one with the new Midian, just because I think I'd enjoy using it more, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think that's the prevailing wisdom, as I know other people who would say that the Carthaginian with the Numidian ally is the favoured option. Yeah, on on the downside, I think it is an obvious option to take. Uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but not necessarily a bad thing. Doesn't doesn't doesn't, it. doesn't necessarily make it any easier to fight. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it's uh, it's quite good. No, as I say, it's enjoyed and. I found uh, making the army, doing it entirely in Zeiston figures, uh, was really, really nice. And just on that, you know, now that they're 
owned by PSC, um, we may see them come out in the uh, the plastic in the future. Although I suspect that will be quite a long time before they get the full range done, if that's their plan. Don't know if anybody knows anything about that. Sorry, I don't know. No, I think they've only just taken it over, haven't they? Indeed. So, anyway, we shall move on. And I think if we, we move on to um, later Carthaginian. And I'm just wondering who to pick on. Richard. Right. Uh, if, so, if, that's, if that's all right with you. <laughs> yeah, fine by me. Uh, so I I produced a um, army of uh, Hasdrubal in Spain, um, later Carthaginian. So it has a competent professional general, uh, talented professional sub, a Spanish Iberian ally that's a talented instinctive and a mediocre professional subgeneral. So total of four, eight, 13 cards. I've calculated that right. Yep. Um, so not unreasonable. I gave it a poor unfortified camp. Um, and it has a PBS of eight and a scouting of four, um, which may give you a clue as to the composition. So um, it has a veteran Punic cavalry unit, superior protected, unskilled javelin short spear. Uh, I think that may be the Spanish option for veteran Punic cavalry, as opposed to the Punic option where they don't get the javelins. Uh, I had two more units of Spanish cavalry, form loose, average protected, unskilled javelin, short spear. Um, all of the cavalry in sixes. Um, they're supported by two units of Numidian cavalry, uh, skirmishers, average unprotected, skilled javelin, combat shy, um, and a unit of allied Spanish cavalry, which is also average unprotected skilled javelin that has the best horse um, Iberian option as well. Yeah. Um, so you've got three units of decent cavalry supported by three units of um, Numidian and Spanish skilled shooters. So that's that's quite a powerful um, cavalry force. Uh, and on the infantry side, we've got the African spearmen, uh, form close average protected long spear, uh, two lots of eight, um, a unit of Celtiberian Scutari, uh, who are form flexible average protected devastating charges, a unit of Ligurian foot, who are uh, tribal flexible average protected devastating charges, and then the allied uh, Iberian warriors, uh, one unit of noble and followers who are superior protected impact weapon, six of them, and eight of the average protected impact weapon. Um, just to finish it off, there's a compulsory unit of allied Katrati, the average protected experience javelin short spear, and uh, a unit of Balearic slingers, uh, average unprotected skilled sling. Uh, combat shy. That all adds up to 9,984 points. Uh, gives you what, six files of skilled shooters. Um, 
no, eight files eight. of spoil shooters. So a um, little bit of punch there. Um, some a nice option for work around the wings with the cavalry while your infantry hold up the center. Um, uh, and yeah, uh, follows a sort of basic Carthaginian pattern, I would suggest. Indeed, indeed, that, that's that's uh, that, that's that's not bad, Richard. Because I, I I don't know what other people think, but I, I've always always found later Carthaginians to have a bit of a reputation of one of those difficult to get a nice army out of lists. Um, uh, yeah, I, I I think that's a, a reasonable army. Um, the eight eight PBS for scouting the strong cavalry force um the infantry are going to pin pin people down because they're quite reasonable you've got some uh quite good capability of fighting in terrain yeah i think there's a lot going for it personally yeah it's um odd, oddly i just i was wondering it's probably not would you think it's an army that you you're probably going to manoeuvre quite a bit with. Um, not I'm not sure you are with the infantry. Um, I think because half of the infantry are tribal. Yeah. That'll be a tough ask. But I think it's a, it's an army where um, you can do quite a bit with the cavalry. Yes. I, I, I could see. Well, Possibly follows the uh, the the history in that respect. You, you're likely to win it with the cavalry, aren't you? Um, so. It's certainly one approach to winning it. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> yes, yes classic envelopment. <laughs> yeah, you said the the eight the eight units of eight files. Sorry, of uh, skilled shooters. Very nice. Yeah. So it's uh, yeah, quite like that. Matt. What do you think of that one? Well, well, given that I managed to design something very, very similar as my early um, uh, attempts at a later Carthaginian list for this podcast, I, I have to say I like it. I, I really do. <laughs> I mean, um, my my second approach on the similar list went slightly, I went more cavalry heavy and I took a legendary general. Right. So it gave you 10-5 on the um, PBS and the scouting. But, oh, yeah. I mean, I, I, I think in terms of, playing style richards is more solid i'd probably get myself into less trouble with it i think <laughs> uh, well the, the one i took rather than taking the two lots of allied foot i took another unit of spanish cavalry so i'm ending up putting 24 spanish cavalry on the table all oh, right uh, i lose the balearic slingers and um i can't remember what else i i, I, I use those points Oh, for the legendary general, that was why that mine is slightly less on the uh, skilled shooting front. Yeah, because I figured twenty-four Spanish cavalry plus the three files of uh, the three uh, blocks of light horse give you an absolutely brutal um, cavalry wing. Uh, no, no, Richards is really nice. I, 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 it, it, it's pro it's probably the one that I would prefer to take to a competition because it, it, it it's slightly more flexible in mm. a sense um i, I have a slight worry about the devastating charger infantry <laughs> yeah. yes i went I, I went all with impact weapon i took all the spanish scutari right I, I, rather than um 
go with the dev charges for yeah. exactly. Yeah. Actually, just just for just for the listeners, um, uh, we'll make sure that all these lists, including the ones we're not going through any detail, are up on the blog for your perusal. So this variant, this similar one to Richard's that Matt said he came up with, we will get that up there so you can see the differences uh, as well and and have a good ponder yourself if you feel the uh, inclination. Sorry, Matt, I sort of interrupted you with a bit of no, 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 service no. announcement there. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I, 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 I pretty um, much done. I've got a worry with your list, um, Matt. I'm not entirely sure. It's legal? It's legal. <laughs> <laughs> we we, we always have to assume that isn't, don't we? No, it may well, actually, looking at it, it may well be. Yeah, sorry, that may be me. Um, <laughs> Is it? Um, so, uh, no, I'm not sure it's got enough goals, but um, anyway, okay. anyway we'll, is, is, we'll take is, a look afterwards. Oh, the, 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 the uh, later Carthage and Hannibal in Italy. You're right. I think it's missing two. OK, we'll, we'll come to that in a moment, Matt. Um, yeah. So, I was, so, yeah, so. Um, so as I say, Richard, do you, I suppose your defence of those two units of devastating charger. Um, well, I think, yeah, they they're going to they're going to be quite tricky to hold. So, but um, they they the plus point is that they are um, do give a, a bit of punch at the impact mm -hmm. um so um you have to have something there i um as i say i i would be probably looking for the infantry to pin an opponent while i'm trying to win it with the cavalry so i think that's how i would use the army rather than yeah. sort of leading with the infantry so to speak yeah so um, a, a very very hannibal approach I, it's an army where I'd really hope to outscout the opponent because I think it could get into trouble otherwise. Yes, I think that's a very fair point. Yeah, the if, if, that said, you'd hope with four scouting cars, even if you were outscouted, you wouldn't be badly outscouted. Yeah. I, I have to say, if you can get up to the legendary general, then of course that boosts your scouting. I notice in Matt's list, he gets nine pbs and five scouting um so uh, that that's even stronger but um obviously you pay for that in terms of uh what you're leaving out of the army as well yeah yeah so okay but as i said, I said that one and and the, the the one that listeners will be able to see that this is a very similar one that matt came up with that wasn't handleable in Italy. Um, I, I think they're really, really strong uh, late Carthaginian ones, and uh, hopefully, people people out there listening, who who like myself may have looked at this late Carthaginian list and gone, I can't get a list I like out of it. It will be useful for. However, we've trailed Matt's Matt's list a few times. So Matt, um, since you 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 have produced a Hannibal in Italy list, indeed. 
I, I have just sent you new copies fixing my my illegal <laughs> list, as is the tradition with these, these my, things. It, it, it was actually a remarkably easy fix, so I didn't have to change much at all. So I've done that. Right. Um, Brilliant. So once, once again, we have list, list development on the fly during the fly. podcast. So um, later Carthaginian, Hannibal in Italy. Now I'm calling it Hannibal on a bad day in Italy because I've only taken him as talented. I feel okay. being Hannibal, he really should be legendary, but he he, he's, he, he got up late and you know, his, his, his wounds was irritating him. So <laughs> right. we, we, we have a talented professional Hannibal army commander two competent professionals and a mediocre professional so giving you a, a a nice round 12 on the cards uh which i think is uh, perfectly reasonable um yeah, good solid sorry good sorry good solid number yeah um the pbs comes out at nine on the nail on the nose and the scouting comes out at five so i'm quite happy with both of those uh total adds up to nine nine eight zero um, so you, you start with the veteran Spanish cavalry, which are dual loose, superior, protected, unskilled javelin, short spear, shoot and charge. Uh, you've then got the two normal Spanish cavalry blocks that you can have. So two blocks of six. Um, they're just average protected, unskilled javelin, short spear, shoot and charge. Uh, two blocks of African spearmen in sixes formed close average protected long spear. I haven't taken the upgrade option for Italy. It just gets too expensive, and I think that sucks too many points out. Might be a mistake, but I have a. There's a way I want to use though, which I'll talk about in a moment. Uh, then you've got two units of Gallic foot, which again I haven't upgraded because I took too few. So now I've used the points to make them, leave them as tribal flexible, average protected, devastating charger, two blocks of nine. So that gives you the minimum eighteen rather than the sixteen I had taken. Um, <laughs> And then, then, then two blocks of the Spanish Skatari, which are formed loose, average protected, impact weapon, two blocks of eight. Um, then I guess I do what I usually do. I've now taken six units of skirmishers. So, awesome. you've, got the, so you've got the two, yeah, you've got the two Numidian cavalry, which are skirmishers, average, unprotected, skilled javelin, not combat shy. The points were there, and I'm like, and honestly, I've having seen Richard use non-combat shy shooting cavalry in such formats i i try not to if, if i get away with not having them as combat shy i do because that that occasion when it comes useful is pretty critical sometimes i've then taken the spanish javelin also going on with something you've been talking about recently about um favored skirmishing troop infantry mm -hmm. so they're infantry skirmishers average protected experienced javelin short spear couldn't afford to shoot and charge on those but i don't think it's a biggie so block six of those um, two blocks of six of the Numidian javelin, which are average, unprotected, experienced javelin combat shy, and then a block of nine poor, unskilled. Basically, because that took me up to the PBS of nine in the scouting of five, so that's why they got dropped in, because those extra cards I think are pretty pretty useful. Uh, so that gives you a total of fifteen UGs. So it's a one third deployment of five. Um, my thoughts on using it is use all the Spanish cavalry on a wing, as as we kind of seem to discuss with the Carthaginians, add in the two new Median cavalry. But I'm thinking I'd use the African spearmen behind the cavalry in uh, two wide, two blocks of two wide, possibly linked by some of the javelinmen, so you can move it as a block. Uh, simply to just break up the cavalry a bit, it, it makes them 
a bit of support, I'm thinking, or they mm -hmm. do, they push through. Uh, two block, uh, the, the four blocks of Gaelic, Foot, and Spanish are there to control a piece of terrain because I, I, I not want a cluttered table, but I'm thinking I want a reasonably dense table. Yeah, with with all that skirmishing foot and and essentially four blocks of formed loose or tribal loose, depending on what what you're doing with them, and then try and punch a hole in the flank and. Um, if they're too busy focusing on the cavalry, use the foot to hurt them. So that was the general idea. So let me have it. <laughs> <laughs> let you have it. Well, you're going to get plus points from me for those Spanish javelin, but 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 a, but a minus for only having six of them. Yeah. I I would be tempted with those Spanish javelin men to make them shoot and charge and take the shoot and charge off one of the Spanish cavalry. It's this question actually because because I've I noticed you've you've taken shoot and charge with all those Spanish. Richard didn't, and it may be points related, but I think maybe also it's how useful is unskilled shoot and charge. I think it's very useful against skirmishing cavalry, in the sense that you might get the slow, or if you get close enough, they're unprotected usually, so you're up to whites. Yeah. Um, and I also find. I'm increasingly coming to the okay. I'm throwing three black dice against most things, but I'm throwing three more black dice before I've even thrown for combat. Yeah, you a freebie essentially. It's a, it's a freebie, but it's also if they've got a general with the unit. If I score a wound on those three black dice, he's not going to throw his general in until he's got a unit uh, until he's lost a, a base. Right. That kind of there, there are little things, but. You might be right. Looking at the figures, if I took the shoot and charge off of both of them, I might get shoot and charge and the block of nine Spanish javelin. Yeah, it's so, having, yeah. having used nine in, in my army oh, bad card. I, I, it was great. <laughs> I loved them. Um, so yeah, so, so Richard, you can say, say this the other point of view. You didn't take shoot and charge with those Spanish cavalry. Was was it a points thing or a, an effectiveness thing or? I, I'm yeah, I'm I'm not particularly taken with the points effectiveness of unskilled javelin shoot and charge. Um, and it, to be honest, it was probably a points thing at the end of the day. Um, he, he, yeah, I, I have to say, yeah, occasionally those black dice can come in handy. It, it, again, it depends whether or what whether if it was a more sort of open theme where I'm likely to face um, more um, sort of shooting cavalry, I might be tempted to take the shoot and charge in those situations. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, um, uh, but I'm, then I've got the shooting cavalry that can contest those sort of shooting effects yeah. so um um so maybe why the argument is why bother <laughs> yeah i think the, the other thing i'd say about your, your list matt is you know this is an obvious one because i've said coming from me because i've said it before the six the sixes of long spear and Oh, I, I totally agree. I, I wouldn't be looking at them in the front line. As I say, yeah, I'd only yeah. be looking for them to support the cavalry. Um, there's actually an option you could probably drop 
the second six African and maybe go eight, eight, have one block of eight and maybe look at a cheaper version of the Spanish or the uh, Gallic foot. Mm. A, a six of those that you could put in the back as a reserve, maybe. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah I, I don't disagree at all. Um, no, uh, I, I think it's important that, you know, you, you, you're, you're seeing them as a support rather than a front line. They're not going to go and pin somebody and go in, into a grinding melee, you know, like like my my earlier Carthaginian where the long spear are going to do a lot of fighting. Yeah, you, you have a plan for them based on the fact that they're they're not frontline troops. Yeah. So I think that's that's quite good. Yeah. No. I, again, again, I, I I like this one. And again, I suppose it's going to win through the cavalry, isn't it, in Hannibalistic style? I I think I would be tempted to take an eight of African spearmen and see if I could have three eights of Gallic foot instead something like that just to yeah. um that might involve tweaking points elsewhere but it might might be a stronger option than going for two sixes of african spearmen because they do have the sort of label of come and get me yes yeah, they do and 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 if we removed all the shoot and charge on our previous conversation which I, i'm not necessarily averse to you, you probably get enough points there looking at it to do both uh, Nick's suggestion of the Spanish javelin and yours of uh, three blocks yeah. of eight Gallic foot. So yeah, 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 totally. Yeah, I think whatever there, there there's a good core army there, which, which sort of leads me on to a question, which I think I've hinted at previously, is that I, I think people have seen this late Carthaginian as difficult to get a workable army from. I was wondering if if the reality is people are looking at Hannibal and and why not Hannibal is iconic, you know, and then they're looking at the the list options for you know Hannibal in Africa, or sorry in Italy or indeed Africa, and they want to get those those toys, you know, the the upgraded African spearmen to superior long spear, shove shield cover. Um, Maybe you know using you know, Hannibal Italy can have some companion foot to uh, impact weapon shield cover melee experts. You know they're average legionaries, you know, but still, that still pushes the cost up a bit. Um, whether actually that's oddly a bit of a trap. I think it definitely can be. Yeah, you know, because uh, I know um, I've had a bit of discussion with about it's a year or so back with Paul Stovall, who I think creates good army lists. And I think he just gave up on it. <laughs> but I think he was kind of looking at the Hannibal in Italy or possibly Hannibal in Africa options. I, I think I think there's an argument to say that Hannibal's strength was in the fact that he took a lot of what in Meg terms is cheap troops with, with, with a, a, a small strike force. If you try and go for all the good African stuff and the high-grade cavalry, you just don't know have enough to fight the battle. I think mm. so. So yeah, swings and roundabouts. I mean, and, and it's worth can't... pointing. It's worth pointing Sorry, out, of course, that the Hannibal in Africa option is a losing option, whereas the Hannibal <laughs> pre two one six was actually a winning option. This <laughs> is a good point. Yes. Yeah. Actually, this is that is a very good point. All those. Hannibal with toys, apart from Cane, his 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 great victories are behind him. So perhaps his arm, perhaps that explains it all. 
perhaps we're looking at it wrong. Or perhaps I've been looking at it wrong, thinking Hannibal, ooh. <laughs> you know, because you, because actually, actually, I think, cause I know in that last tweak you just made on that list, you, you, you dropped the goals from form flexible, which they're allowed Hannibal in Italy, back down to tribal. Yeah. And I suspect for what you're going to use them as, tribal doesn't matter. In fact, having them in nines is probably better than having them in eights. You know, that extra half wound, half base, the wound to break them could be really important. Yep, absolutely. I, I, having made the change, I was quite happy with it. I, by instinct, I thought, oh, they need to be formed because that makes them better. Mm. I don't think it does in this list, and I think you're right. Actually, I've just sent you mark three of this list where I've now taken three blocks of eight drop the African down to a single block of eight and got the shoot and charge on the Spanish uh, gentleman. Yeah. So they <laughs> I just worked that out as well, yes. <laughs> so okay, so, so three, ver three versions of one list. And, <laughs> and and the thing of course of course up till this point the listeners haven't realized is that is that you've actually developed all three versions whilst we've been doing the podcast because your initial uh, offering was so similar to Richard's we decided we couldn't go with two very very similar armies and again listeners look on the blog you'll see how similar they are so so thank you obviously thank you to Matt for, for beavering away well it Great. just goes to prove the point that I actually write my best army lists under stress five minutes before they're needed I I, I shouldn't think about these things before the deadline <laughs> I really well, shouldn't I, I, I seem to remember it was about a year ago. I, I what one list I brought to a podcast is one I sort of knocked up as, oh, I'll do another one in fifteen minutes, and everybody went, oh, that's rather good, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. So you overthinking. Mm. You know, it's if you get a list that works, go with it. And definitely don't overthink it. So this this is going to be my strategy for toil. Um, um, I've I've so far composed eight uh, early medieval lists for, <laughs> for time of inadequate lighting, the Dark Ages competition. I, I'm working on the principle that if I can produce an army list for every army that's a valid choice, um, I can then <laughs> randomly choose one of those to take as I have no idea how I'm going to pick any other way. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think I've created more versions than the thematics had emperors. Uh, they had quite a few. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I've had to start trimming my folder of um, Excel spreadsheets. <laughs> I, I, I've been blessed. That, uh, you know, I, I'm, although I haven't submitted it yet, so there's always that last minute change of mind that I, I will be going with. Uh, the 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 Bedouin that appeared on the last podcast, wasn't it? About uh, about about Nicophorian Byzantines. So <laughs> so they are. People should know what my army is going to be. So because again, part, partly because because the the audience, yourselves and uh, Philip and Jamie, all said, "Oh, that's rather good," <laughs> or indeed, I wouldn't like to face it in some Thanks cases. That, yeah. <laughs> Famous yeah. last words. Yeah, so uh, you, you might all be suckering me in on that one. But we, we shall see. So so I I think, and I hope our listeners will benefit from it, that we may have come up between us, or may, mainly, well, yourselves, Richard and Matt, with 
late Carthaginians that are basically workable and could be effective. I think they always blame us if they don't. And we can just say <laughs> it's, the, it's, it's the genius of the general. It's not the yeah. army, it's the genius so, of the general. And, and, and because of that, this is a reward for Richard. I'm, I'm going to throw in a question that I was asked. And I think it might have been Paul Stovall since he's... He, 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 he just had, with the, the Gallic foot, in basically in the Hannibal in Italy option, might there be an argument that they wouldn't be that devastating charger and some other classification would be more appropriate to long service Gauls? Uh, mm. <laughs> <laughs> I, I didn't have an answer because it's really not, not my period or anything. So. Short spearman expert option? I think that's what he was fishing for. <laughs> I, I, I'd just go with formed flex melee expert. Means they get battered in the impact, but stand. Which is what Hannibal seemed to use them for, to hold a centre. And they die slowly. At the moment, they shatter or don't, and then die quickly in the melee. So is the reverse actually better? Yeah, I mean, the... At Cannae, uh, Hannibal mixes his Spaniards and Gauls together, doesn't he? Which he does, yeah. suggests they can fight together, which mixing impact weapon with de devastating charger doesn't doesn't really suggest yeah. um, work so well. So maybe, maybe there is an argument that says you should upgrade Gallic horse and Spanish foot um to perhaps a form flexible average protected impact weapon type option making the same or i did something nice about having them different though isn't there <laughs> just on that variety thing i'm just wondering about matt's idea you know they they'd be like formed formed and just melee expert if you didn't um, want to give them short spit as, as well yeah um you'd certainly get more for your points yeah if, if oh, you oh. Don't give... yeah mm, don't know I, i'm not saying it's the right mm. thing it's just that it just feels more solid to me kind of is the impression i get which may be wrong that they, they formed more of a solid core than a um uh, an, an alan type you know barbarian charge mm. but who knows well is it I, th I think there is a bit of but the, the the devastating charger buys into the the Roman narrative of barbarians, doesn't it? And if you, I'm not sure it's entirely sustained, even by you know that quite a number of Caesar's accounts seem to indicate a certain solidity. Mm. You know, I, I think I have seen it suggested by somebody. You know, yeah. You know, are, are we actually wargaming the Roman propaganda view of barbarians <laughs> rather than the history? <laughs> well, you, you've got to figure if you tried to refight re, re Cannae, would a Gallic centre hold long enough for him to envelop the wings? Because, well, well, that's it, that's when you need a legendary general using all the cards to recover <laughs> wounds and so on. Well, I guess that's true. Yes. Not uh, leading his cavalry. Yeah, and and you have to remember, you have to grade the Roman 
infantry correctly as well. Yes, that is true. It's, it's, there's two sides to it. You know, maybe it's an argument that at Cannae, some of those legionaries aren't even impact weapon or certain possible problem or not melee experts and definitely not superior. <laughs> <laughs> this is true, yes. Very true. Uh, indeed. I mean, I, I think when we discussed Cannae in one of Simon's um, broadcasts, mm. that, um, I, th I think the prevailing view was that a lot of the legionaries would be just their average impact weapon without melee expert. Yeah. And you would you would inevitably end up with far more of a grind that way, wouldn't Indeed. you? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So yeah, no, I mean just anyway, maybe something to anyway think about. If it was Paul who, who raised that one, you know, maybe not just for Cane, because I mean I, I do remember um I think it was when Phil Barker was developing DBMM. Um, as he tried to get classifications to reflect the battle, and go through all sorts of permutations and strange, strange ideas, and you've got to remember that Cane is just one battle, and every battle is unique. <laughs> yeah, um, I think Blade Eye appears somewhere in the DBMM yeah. list for barbarians. I seem to remember, but yeah. Uh, for those who don't uh, follow DPMM, apologies. Yes, I, um, I was mainly referring to just as you can get really tied up on, especially an iconic battle like Cannae, and in a set of rules that is trying to cover a very wide range of, uh, of actions and time period. Maybe sometime you have to go, I know it's iconic, but it really is a, an edge case. <laughs> Yeah, I, I'm, I'm just thinking of the amount of effort involved in regrading all barbarians to not be Dev Charger. <laughs> <laughs> that could be a lot of lists. Yeah. No, but I, I, I have to say, I mean, I, had, I did seriously consider an option for ghouls, for example, to be something like short spear, unskilled javelin rather than... Um, mm -hmm. Dev Charger. Yeah. Well, you, you did change the, the Goths to that many years ago, didn't you? I think very early lists in Meg, the Goths in the uh, 4th century, 3rd, 4th century Goths were Dev Charger because they were just warband. And now they are Javelin and Short Spear. And then, and then as they get Roman equipment, they can also pick up Melee Expert because they're a bit different. But yeah. Yeah. You know, it's a, uh, but I think, I think we probably don't want to change them all. Otherwise, we, we we need to keep a certain amount of variety. And if we are playing the, I, I think it would be, uh, it'd probably be an all or none option. Yeah. Well, there we are. Can, that, like that, we did for Thuriophora. Yes, exactly. That might set some hairs running anyway. If you're good, they're going to change everything. <laughs> So yeah. perhaps we'll, we'll throw in the usual caveat at this point. If a change were to be made, <laughs> yes. it would probably certainly be an all or none. And it wouldn't mean you had to throw away all the figures you've got. <laughs> Whatever it was, the figures would still be used, perfectly legitimate to use. Because <laughs> they're still going to be goals. <laughs> well, really? no. so, OK, after, after, after a quick attempt at scaring... <laughs> and he owns a Gallic army with, with, with that. I think perhaps we've 
we, we, we've come to the end of that. So anyway, as I said before, thanks, guys. I think those, those late Carthaginian ones especially have been, hopefully been really valuable. They have been for, for my thinking about that army. Um, just to reiterate, obviously, all these lists will be up on the blog when the podcast, when you're listening to this podcast, you'll be able to look at them. Um, also, on that, we will have a, a listing of um, some historical sources, people like Polybius Livy and so on. Um, some modern books you can buy. There are a number of Osprey books that cover it inevitably. Um, so many people will already have them. Some other more uh, in-depth, um, more not necessarily academic. Well, one of them is quite academic. I'll put on that, but um, certainly re readable, um, including a couple of volumes on um, that entitled The Tyrants of Syracuse, because um, Going back to Richard's history, all that history around fighting in Sicily or whatever um, will be referenced in those as well. So broaden horizons and, and some some um, suggestions of where you can get figures from. Um, now, obviously, there's quite a lot of people who do figures. Um, so a reasonably long list there. But, you know, I doubt it's exhaustive, but hopefully it would help anybody who's looking forward. And it even includes a couple of 3D printing STL file sellers I found when looking for Carthaginians. So the people who are looking to 3D print stuff, something there. See, we're catching up with the modern world. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can hear Graham Clacker already saying, yeah, I've already got them all. <laughs> <laughs> I bought into the Kickstarter. <laughs> he may even have printed some of them out. So, okay, guys, I think we've 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 spent a reasonable amount chatting. So maybe I think it's time just to wrap this one up. Um, I, I've you, just sorry, oh, sorry, Matt. Um, yeah, no, no, I've just got one last thing that I wanted to say. Um, I was sorry to hear that Ian Heath had passed away. For those uh, who have um, used his books, particularly the WRG, like the Armies of the Dark Ages, which I'm actually holding in my hand at the moment because I've been using it for my thematics. Um, <laughs> yes, I was very sorry to hear that. He he has enriched my hobby greatly over the years. So I just yeah, thought I'd mention it. Yeah, good well point. Yeah, well said. Yeah, and I, I agree with that. And in fact, that, that particular volume will be particularly useful to you because I'm pretty sure that Essex based their figures on his illustrations. He did so yeah, no, I think yeah, he 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 contributed massively to the hobby. I, I think I have all the Ian Heath volumes. And um he, he also did some for Foundry, didn't he? There were some hardback ones he did as well. Which uh, certainly one that covers things like the Tudors. Um it was a 16th century volume, I think. So outside of Meg, but Again, a very useful volume. Yeah, he's, um, so th thank you for mentioning that, Matt. De definitely, uh, I think a lot of people are very, very sad to hear his passing. So I think uh, looking forward, um, there are, I think we mentioned already, there's some obviously comps upcoming. Toil is one, time of insufficient light, because we don't use the term dark ages these days. <laughs> or early medieval i think richard used that's on 18th and 19th of march in derby i suspect when you you the listener are listening to this it'll be about the time lists are supposed to be submitted but there may still be places if you're interested in that one um 
on the 25th and 26th of March at Battlefield Hobbies, there is there's two days of Pacto Gaming um, run by Simon, Simon Hall. And I think that that is that is as much a come along and find out what it's all about. Introductory, you know, new players who want to find out about Meg through the smaller version of the game, most welcome. Um, I expect there will be some more experienced players on hand to help people through. I will be there. Um, there's a fair chance I'll be there at least one of the days. I'm not sure I can make both at the moment, but we shall see. So, and armies will be available to be lent for that. So, if you're interested in Meg, um, or you know somebody who's interested in Meg, if you're a, one of our regulars, uh, it could be an opportunity for people to come and try before you buy. Um, you know, have a loan army, play a few games of Pacto, talk to talk to the author, talk to the uh, some of the regulars and find out what it's all about. Um, you never know, there may even be a sneak preview of the new Pacto rulebook um, online. Uh, that's no promise on that, but um, it, it may be um, we're, we're reaching that stage. Excellent. Well, thank you for that, Richard. Of course you do. Um, and the week after that, um, it's Roll Call in Cranfield, 1st and 2nd of April. That's our, our our first UK 28mm Magna two-day competition, I believe. Apologies if anybody else has run one and I've forgotten about it. Um, there we are. So we, we're looking forward to playing playing with big big toys on that one. And I need to finish painting my army for that. Otherwise, I'm going to look very, very foolish. Um, one of the it's a meg event I'd, I'd just like to to flag as well at this point uh, it's later in april on the 29th of april up in the northeast um uh, at the i think it's pendraken store um there's a one day meg intro event being run by um the little corporal the guy who runs little corporal whose name i can't remember is it richard is he another richard afraid i can't remember oh, we're, we're all blanking apologies to him apologies to him um but, but yet yeah, so again maybe people up in the in in the north northeast northwest or if you know people up there who are interested they can go along to that and again a bit like the one at battlefield hobbies have a have a look find out what meg is all about um and of course little corp will also send sell lurkio figures so i'm sure if you get into it at that event He'll be very interested in selling you some, as of course would Pendraken with their 10 mil figures. So there we are. Don't know if uh, either of you, Richard or Matt, have got anything else you wish to add at this point? Uh, for anybody who um, has um, been waiting to order the print on demand version, uh, apologies, we hit a technical issue. Um, that is currently, I think, resolved, and I hopefully we will be able to start re-offering the print-on-demand version um, fairly shortly. Thank you for that, Richard. Anything from you, Matt? Uh, Richard just preempted me. Actually, it was a question I had for him, and he's already answered it. So, uh, so. excellent. Okay, was well, that? I think as ever. 
both of Richard and Matt, thank you so much for your contributions. Um, thank you to the listeners for listening to this. Uh, we always welcome feedback. And as I said, remember, all the supporting information is on the blog. The URL will be posted um, wherever you've seen the link to this podcast. So until the next time, thank you and good night. Thank you both. That's enjoyable thank as you. always. Yeah. Oh, thank you guys. Thank you, Richard, for that history.